Welcome to Thrive Church Podcast. Join Pastor Kevin Bordeaux as he explores the word giving insightful solutions for day-to-day challenges. We pray this message encourages you throughout your day. You can also visit www.thrivechurch.me. Now on to today's message. Thrive Church. Good, bittersweet. Did we enjoy the snow last week? Yeah, everybody that didn't have to shovel it. Right, right. Everybody loved that snow. Everybody loved it. Powery. It was beautiful. Um, If you got your Bibles, uh, turn me to John chapter 20, verse 24. John chapter 20, verse 24. Uh, Today we're finishing up the series, Where Are They Now? Uh, And I've loved this series. I've loved the concept. Uh, I love the show, watching it growing up. Um, And I grew up in an era where you kind of had to still rewind VHSs. Okay, y'all remember Blockbusters? I get an amen. Uh, rest in peace. Um, but, but I remember my mom uh, was one of the managers at this Blockbuster where I grew up. And I loved these little tape deck things because you had to rewind it. Be kind of rewind. And you just push it in, shut it, and you hit rewind. And it's like back to the future fast. It's just next thing you know it's done. And then you can rewatch it or turn it back in. I remember where when I was in high school I had to wait for my mom to get off the phone so that I could use the internet to research something through Yahoo because at that time Google wasn't that cool. Um, And then I remember these. Rubik's Cubes. The thing that everyone had, but very few could actually solve it. And I remember sitting there, playing with it, and then my dad would take it from me. Because he, he, he's, you know, me, I'm a kid. I'm like, Dad, if I can't figure this out, you can't figure this out. Because I'm the smartest kid around. And I watched him take this thing. And he started working with it. He started going, you know, doing what you do. You try to solve it. And then in five minutes you get fed up and you throw it away. And I saw him going at it. I was like, you know what? I don't believe this. I'll believe it when I see it, Dad. When you sit there and solve this whole thing. Fifteen minutes later, there it was. Not like this. This is what happens when I get a hold of one. Perfect. Colors, all the colors matched on the right side. And he didn't cheat. He didn't take stickers off. He didn't take it apart and put it back. He did it the right way. And I remember I was like, I, I was baffled. I was like, oh my gosh, Dad, you actually did it. Fifteen minutes later, he started doing these weird patterns, had different designs on each side. And it was in that moment I realized my dad is smarter than Bill Gates. And, and, and it was great. And I, still to this day, and, but I learned very young that if he fixes one, do not take it and try to mess with it because then he'll get mad and then he'll have to fix it all over again. And today, we're going to look at an individual uh, from the Bible that, like me, I didn't believe it when I first heard and when he said that he could finish it. And you may know him by his first name is Doubting, uh, last name Thomas. Uh, he's been known for that by some time. Uh, and the, this is, Thomas was one of the first disciples of Jesus Christ, meaning that he was there for the first three and a half years of Christ's earthly ministry. Um, and at this point in Scripture, in John chapter 20, uh, Christ is resurrected. Uh, throughout the entire worship experience, it's just beautiful, just talking about the love of God that he has for us and talking about Christ. And here in this passage, uh, he has already been, if you were here last week, uh, Pastor talked about Judas. Uh, this is basically a continuation of that almost uh, because after Judas uh, 
betrayed Christ. Christ was handed over and he was beaten and he was crucified. But praise God, three days later after his death, he resurrected. And this is kind of where we pick up right before this passage, Christ first appeared to the disciples. And, you know, here I am. And here we pick up with good old Thomas. So let's jump into this. We're going to read verse 24 and 25. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. Let's pray. Father, today we are so thankful for, just for all that you have done in us, through us, and around us. Father, today as we look at the scripture, and look at uh, one, of the, one of your prominent disciples, Father, I pray that we walk away with the truth of your word locked inside of us. Not just a good feel message that we can take, say, hey, that was nice, but something we apply to our lives that will make us to be who you created us to be. And guide us by your Holy Spirit. And it's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Today, we're going to talk about doubt. And, and doubt is something that, at least when I remember growing up, I was told you shouldn't doubt. Don't doubt God. Don't doubt God. And, and I, as I've learned, and I'm, as you can see, I'm still a young buck. Um, I'm nowhere near some of the wisdom that all of y'all have. Um, if I could just kind of gain the stuff that y'all have forgotten, um, I would probably be a better man for it. Um, but doubt happens every day. You may doubt who's going to win the Super Bowl. Okay, who's Seahawks? Okay, okay. Broncos? Okay, shameless plug. Next on Super Bowl night at 5 o'clock, we're having a Super Bowl bash. Come, bring some uh, wings. I love wings. I enjoy teriyaki wings. I enjoy uh, somewhat not too spicy wings. So please come and join us at 5 o'clock Super Bowl. Shameless plug. There you go. Um, but you may doubt what your boss... You, I, if you've ever worked for anyone, Pastor Kevin is not this for me, but I've had other bosses that they would promise me things, promise me this raise, promise me this day off. And then at the last minute, eh, we can't do it. And then eventually, I just, I just don't believe him. I don't believe a word the man says. Not Pastor Kevin. This is other places. I, I haven't, I've worked in other places besides here. Um, you may doubt your wife will be happy with the way you clean the house. Everyone has a specific way. I know that um, when I clean the dishes, I clean the dishes a completely different way um, than my wife does. And my wife, she cleans them the right way. Because <laughs> she's sitting right there in front of me looking at me. And you see, but today we're going to talk about doubt with God. You see, doubt will either draw you to Christ or push you away from Him. The most powerful time in my relationship with Jesus was when I doubted Him. Um, there was a period two years ago, um, and this wasn't like I was just attending church. I was in ministry. I was a youth pastor at a church, and I doubted everything. I doubted God's existence. Um, I doubted that, uh, that church even mattered. I doubted, I remember one night I even doubted that I, that I would even go to heaven um, when I died. And it was in that time of doubt that I truly found Christ. It wasn't in a church services. It wasn't in something that was nice and good, but it was in the, just a dark path of my life. And I wasn't living in sin. I wasn't, I mean, I, I, was, I was being, a, you know, living biblically. But even in that, I doubted. And I'm here to say it's okay. If you're here today and you have doubts, they're okay. We're on this path together. And today, Thomas is going to help us deal with our doubt. What do we do when doubt comes? What do we do when we don't believe it until we see it? So let's walk through this passage. 
In verse 24 and 25, what we opened up with, we find, you know, Thomas was not with the disciples uh, when Jesus first arrived. And, you know, Thomas did what really any of us do when someone tells us what we would consider a big fish story. You know what that is? Someone goes fishing and they tell you this, tell you this story, this great fish they, they, they caught. And then a week later they tell you the same story but it keeps getting bigger and bigger. And you're like, you know, I, don't, I, don't, I believe it when I see it. You know, you show me a picture of this giant fish that you caught with your little 10 foot pound uh, fishing pole and then I'll believe you. And this is where Thomas is at. I will not believe until I see his wounds. Until I put my finger in the wounds of his hand, my hand into his side, I will not believe. Layman terms, if till I see it on Facebook or until I see it on your Instagram account, I don't believe. Until I see you guys hanging out back in the upper room saying, hey, what's up, Jesus? It, I don't believe you. And then we come to verse 26. And it says, a week later, okay, a week's passed since that incident where Thomas said, I don't believe you. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. So here's the chance Thomas has been waiting for all week. All week. You know what? He said, Jesus, here, I'm waiting. I'm just going to hang out here. I'm going gonna, gonna to stay with them this entire time. I'm just going to see what happens. I'm just going to hang out. And here's the chance. Jesus is there. In verse 27, Jesus says to Thomas, Put your finger here in my side. Or see my hands. Reach your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. So right here, Thomas... He finally gets it. He gets his opportunity. Jesus has heard his cry. He heard his plea. He heard his challenge. And he, uh, he comes and he stands there. And typically this is where a lot of us, we find ourselves. We doubt, we don't believe. But then we come into this moment where we have this opportunity, this chance that we can actually experience him. That we can actually know him. Let me see here. And, and, and Thomas, in this, in this moment of doubt, he's standing there and everything the past three and a half years is looking him in the face. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine just a week ago just saying, you know, I don't believe this Jesus. I don't believe that he actually um, did what he said he did, that he was who he said he was. And in that moment, he's standing there and everything from the three and a half, last three and a half years is standing there. Let's continue on. Let's go to verse, let's go to next verse, verse 28. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. The declaration. In this moment, in this, in this one verse, it's not a, a verse of praise. It's not a, a, a verse of a, a just complete Oh my gosh, it's a declaration. It's him saying, you are my Lord. You are my God. Everything is in this moment. Everything that happened in the last three years, every miracle, every parable, every word is just sitting right there. In verse 29, then Jesus told him, I love this, because you have seen me, you have believed Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. So the big thing here, I love this here back in the verse 27. It says, stop doubting and believe. At the, very, at the end of verse 27, this is what Jesus says to him. And Jesus arrives and he just squashes it. The doubt that he has. 
I'll see it when I believe it. There's Jesus. Okay, you really can't say much more, Thomas. You can't really say Jesus isn't here because he's right in front of you. And I want to say Jesus wants to squash your doubt. He wants to squash your doubt that he can't provide for you. He wants to squash your doubt that he is not your Lord. He wants to squash your doubt that he doesn't hear your cries for help. Because he does. And see, your doubt potentially can lead you to backtrack to a life of living without faith. And see, when you live a life uh, without faith, that means you're the answer to your problems. That means you don't have to believe that someone else is going to be able to provide for you. You don't have to believe that God is going to provide for you. You're going to do it. The problem is, is you can't. You're not all that in a bag of chips. I mean, you may be good. I mean, my wife is amazing. She's the best wife in the world. But she's not Jesus. She can't heal me miraculously. She can't hear the deep cries of my heart. And as I said before, doubt will do two things. It will either drive you away from Christ or will fuel us to know him even more. And see, doubt can be healthy. Again, when I grew up, I was like, you shouldn't doubt God. You can't doubt God. It's a sin to doubt God. But yet, doubt is what led me to him. Doubt is what led me to an actual relationship with him. So the question is, how do we, like Thomas, stop doubting and believe? What can we do? What can we learn uh, from his example? Um, and the first thing, if you got your notes, hopefully you got them on your way in. Um, if you didn't, they, they got some more on the welcome table that you can grab on your way out. The first thing is, remember. These are three things to remember to defeat doubt. Remember what God has done. Remember what God has done. Overcome doubt by remembering where God has moved in your life. Those deep, dark moments where you had no idea where the provision would come from. Those moments where everything was falling apart, but yet you somehow got through it. The people that you know personally in your life, that you've seen God move, you've seen God interact in their life. It's amazing to me how if I doubt God will heal, but then I remember all the times that God has healed. I'm like, hey, you know what? He actually can do it. Huh. In Joshua chapter 4, verse 5 through 7, um, the, the Israelites, this is after Moses, after Exodus, if you saw Prince of Egypt or Charleston Heston with Ten Commandments, um, after that, they're about to cross over into the promised land. The land that God promised them for centuries. And here it is. All they got to do is cross over this, this, this body of water. And then God miraculously parts the water so they can walk across on dry ground. And God tells them that for the head of every tribe, a family, there were 12 of them, they need to take a rock, a big a stone, from this river. So it's one thing to get, you know, if you go to the, to the ocean, to the river, you've got these little rocks on the shore. Imagine getting to walk into it, like to the bottom of this river, and getting to take a stone right out of the bottom of it. Just, just the, the astonishment in that. And then he told them to, on the other side, to make a memorial with these 12 stones so that when, later, when your children ask you, what are these stones for? You can tell them what God did. In this moment, so that as years go by, you can say, hey, it's okay, son. God will provide. I remember when I was a kid, I was in sixth grade. And we went, to, we went to a church that was in North Carolina, and we did not have money. Our lights got shut off. We were sitting there eating in the dark, eating cans of little beanie weenies because you can eat those out of the can and they not kill you. And, and I remember the next day my dad goes to the mailbox, and there's a check just in the mail. Or, I'm sorry, no, no, it was like coupons, like gift cards, that kind of stuff. This is before you actually had the real, like, debit card. This is like when you had to have the coupon gift card. Y'all remember those? Yes. We were aware where are they now? Well, now they're in your back pocket. Um, and he went, it was like $150. 
And he went and got groceries and he stood up that Sunday to testify and just thank God. We have no idea still who it was that blessed us. But God provided. And it's in times where I'm, I'm wondering, is, man, things are getting tight. My wallet's getting empty. I still got bills to pay. How are we going to make it? God will provide. Now, that's a, that's a bold statement because it's, uh, uh, some of you are sitting there like, yeah, but you're not in my situation. And that may be right, but that doesn't diminish the power of God. Remember, remember what God has done. Um, you find in the book of Esther, um, Haman, he was the advisor to the king, planned to kill all the Jews of the empire. And his plans were foiled by Mordecai and his adopted daughter Esther, who had risen to become the queen of Persia. And this day of deliverance, when it happened, they celebrated. And it's called the Feast of Purim. And it's the time that they literally just get together and they celebrate the deliverance that God did for them. That he saved their lives. And they just rejoice. And I believe that there are times in our doubt that we just need to rejoice. We just need to remember the things that God has done and just get stinking excited and go crazy and just, yeah, thank you God for what you've done because if you did it then, you're going to do it now and we're going to be okay. Remember what God has done. When Thomas proclaimed, my Lord and my God, he was remembering. I, I, I would imagine that it's in that moment that he has this flashback. Like, the, you, if you remember the old sitcoms, when they do a flashback, they make like, imagine that happening in his head, and he was remembering the miracles. He was remembering when Jesus fed the 5,000. He was remembering when Jesus walked on the water, and all of these moments are coming together, and they're making sense. He's remembering what Jesus had done in those three years. So overcome doubt, remember what God has done for you. The second thing to remember is remember that God is with you. God is with you. Deuteronomy 31.6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He would never leave you nor forsake you. When we experience this promise, when we truly uh, see where God will never leave us nor forsake us, fear and worry disappear. You don't really freak out anymore over things because you know that God's with you. That God is there to protect you. That God is there to provide for you. Life is never again measured by who you know or what you have, but just in the timing of God's will. And Jesus heard Thomas's challenge in verse 25 to touch and see his wounds. Jesus was there. He still heard. It wasn't like Peter after Thomas said, you know what, I'll see it when I believe it, that Thomas went and found, hey Jesus, guess what? Thomas said, if you, if you show up and t- tell him to look at your hands and let him put his hand inside, he's going to believe you. No, 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 Jesus just knew. Peter didn't go tattletale it. But overcome doubt by knowing that you're not alone, that God is with you. That his pastor said earlier that he loves you. That he cares for you. He's not with you to, to nitpick. He's not with you to cast shame. He's with you to give you hope. To remind you of who he is in you. For you. Remember what God did. Remember that God is with you. And the third thing is remember that God has a plan for you. That God has a plan for you. John 17, 20 and 21. Uh, The entire chapter of John 17 is Christ praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. 
Um, and in this prayer, I, I love, I'm, I'm a very organized guy. I like easy breakdown stuff. That's just how I operate. That's how I work. My brain thinks. Uh, and in this passage, that whole chapter is Christ praying. The first portion is praying for himself. The second portion is praying for his disciples that are, you know, actually there with him. But then you get to the last portion of John 17. I get excited because he's praying for me. He's praying for you. He's praying for all believers, all future believers. It says, my prayer is not for them alone, the disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you and me are one. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. You're not a mistake. God created you for a purpose. God created you for a plan. And he loves you. Overcome doubt by knowing that this isn't it. You may be going through a bad season. You may have had the worst week of your life. But the beauty is, is that's not it. You've not arrived. But God has a plan for you. God wants to use you daily, daily, to show his, his, just his truth. The truth of his love, the truth of his grace, the truth of his acceptance. He wants you to be who he created you to be. And it's a daily process. It's not a one-time scenario. And you know, we've, we've called that Thomas Doubting Thomas for centuries. Um, one study showed that we've been, he's, he started getting that name around the 5th century. That's a long time for someone that, that, that in the moment of doubt, which was questionable, was a week because he was told, and then the next Sunday, hey, there you are, Jesus. But yet, he's believed. You know, where are they now, this whole series? Where, are, where is he now? He, he's in heaven. <laughs> he's hanging out with Jesus. And the beauty is, is after this moment, after he actually believed, after you made his confession that you are my Lord and my God, he went on to preach the gospel. He went into Syria, ancient Persia. Uh, he's still known today as the, uh, the apostle to India. Uh, many, he went there, many, many churches were started in India. Don't allow your doubt to freeze your faith. It's so easy for in your moment of doubt, you'd say, eh, I'm good. I'm not, I'm not even going to worry with this anymore. There's no point. Because again, when you know that God is with you and you relinquish that fear and worry, you're no longer, you're just waiting for God to move. You're not wondering, you're not hoping he's going to move, you're not doubting if he's going to move, you're just waiting. And it's so easy, I remember uh, those two years ago, that my doubt, I had a decision to make. Um, I was in my home, uh, I remember looking at Lauren, it was that same night, I looked at her and said, I don't even know if I'd go to heaven if I died right now. And I remember walking upstairs, and in a very hipster, emo-like state, I sat in my dark bedroom on my bed. And I just prayed. I said, God, this, this, this is, this, it's just, it was destroying me. I said, but I know you're true. I know your word is solid. I know you exist. Help me to believe. And it was then I began to see Christ in a new way. I didn't see him the way that people had painted it for me from a pulpit. I didn't see it um, the way that people would depict it through your, the beautiful Facebook posts. I saw him through the lens of the Bible. I saw his love. I saw his um, directness, which I loved. 
because I like being direct. And as I read and I studied, as I saw my doubt slowly dissipated. Do I still doubt sometimes? Yeah, why? I'm human. Life happens. Sometimes it'll hit you square in the face and you begin to wonder if this is really it. And it is. The question is today is where are you now? Where are you today? We talked about literally the entire worship experience of how God loves you. Not because of who you're going to be, but because of who you are. Okay? I know many times we love the potential in people, but we forget the person that they are in the moment. God loves you just as you are. God loved me when I was a punk thug. I know you wouldn't guess it. Doing drugs, partying. He loved me just as much then as he does today. His love is unconditional. It's not dictated by what you have done or what you haven't done. He loves you. He cares for you. Um, So today, with every head bowed and every eye closed...